welcome everyone. If you're new here, we know it takes a bit of courage to come in to a whole new scenario. Perhaps you've never been to a church quite like this, and it might be a little bit overwhelming. We appreciate that, we respect it, and we respect it and appreciate your courage and your humility in coming in here. We want to give you an enthusiastic round of applause. Let's welcome all of you. to say hi to everyone who's in the overflow up in the atrium. We're trying to squeeze in as many as we can, but God bless you up there. Hello to everyone on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, and listening on podcast also. Today, of course, is our baptisms, but before we get in and talk about our baptisms in a little while, I want to talk today about my Easter title, which is Connect with the risen Jesus. I ask you a question. Is it possible to connect with Jesus Christ today? Okay, it, it isn't really, is it? I'll ask you again. Is it possible to connect with the risen Jesus? Yes. Absolutely. And if you're not sure, we're here to try and convince you of that wonderful fact. For me it was 43 years ago, for some people it was at half past 10 this morning. God continues to connect with people, hallelujah. So this is Easter Sunday, and on Easter, the Resurrection Day, I'm going to look at John chapter 20. But before I do, I'm going to pray that whatever we read or hear today, now, whatever I say that's not from God, you forget it, because I'm nothing. But whatever is God speaking to you, that you remember it. Amen. Are you up for that prayer? Yes. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move here, and anything that just comes from my mind would go in one ear and out the other. But whatever is from you, Lord, I pray, O oh God, that it would take root in our hearts, bear much fruit, and that we would connect with the risen Jesus today. We pray that in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John chapter 20, a lot of the Gospels talk about Jesus rising from the dead. Maybe you remember it as a child or from school or something. Or maybe you still read the Bible. If you don't, it's a great thing to do. It's God's love letter to humanity. It's great wisdom for our souls. But this is the context of what happened in John 20. Jesus had been crucified on what we call Good Friday. That's why we were here on Good Friday night. And again, if you didn't get a chair here, we apologize. We tried to squeeze in as many as we could. But after Good Friday, Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. And on that Easter Sunday, this is the context. Sometimes known as Resurrection Day. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, then to all of the other women who had been following him. Then he went and appeared to the two on the Emmaus Road. He appeared to Peter individually, and then to the ten disciples. And it's this last one we're going to briefly look at today. So ten of the disciples were meeting together, praying, 
and wondering what on earth had just happened. And so into that we read. In verse 19, it was the first day of the week and the disciples were gathered together behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jews. First thing we see here, it was the first day of the week. The Jews always uh, met in their synagogues on a Saturday, that was their Sabbath, but this is the beginning and the transition of Sunday being the day that Christians gathered. And guess what? It's Sunday! Amen. And you're here! Hallelujah! Amen. So, the first day of the week they're gathered there, but perhaps they didn't have the joy and confidence we have, because we're told they had locked the doors. They had closed the doors. Why? Because they were afraid. They were afraid. Maybe you're physically here, but maybe the door to your heart is locked because you're afraid of what people will think. I remember the first time I went to a Christian meeting, I went in like that. I was afraid in case anyone would see me, my street cred would be gone. I hope they don't think I'm a Christian. I don't want anyone to see me going to a Christian meeting. But what's that, huh? But you know what? When Jesus comes into your heart, that stuff goes out the window. You really don't care anymore. Why? Because Jesus sets you free. Hallelujah. Anyway, I was a bit ashamed or embarrassed going in. And they had their doors locked. And I had the door of my heart locked. But you know what? When Jesus comes close, it just doesn't stay locked for very long. Not if you're open. So they're afraid. The doors are locked. I always think about a guy called John Witherspoon. He was one of the signatories to the American Declaration of Independence. He was also a pastor and a preacher. And all those years ago, he wrote this. Only the fear of God can set us free from the fear of man. Only the fear of God. What does the fear of God mean? It doesn't mean to be terrified of him, but it does mean having an awesome respect of God. That we don't mess about with him. That we love him and we follow him. Why? Because he has the keys of heaven and earth, of eternal life. He's the one we're called to follow. So if you love God, you have a healthy respect and fear of him. And you know what happens? Man or women actually won't impact you anymore. You won't really care what they think. Not really. You know, in a hundred years' time, none of us will be alive. Well, I'm 22 and I'm going to live forever. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> Maybe my, I'm a little, uh, my granddaughter's, my third granddaughter is eight months. Maybe she'll be alive. Because the uh, CSO here in Ireland are saying uh, life expectancy for a girl born in Ireland today is about 100 years. So maybe she'll be alive. But everyone here listening, none of us are going to be alive. The person you're worried about isn't going to be alive. The boss who's hassling you. The teacher you're afraid of, the family member who's bullying you, the person who is sniding at you, none of them are going to be alive. But yet we can have eternal life. So why should we fear man? Let's fear God. Amen? Amen. So that's what John Witherspoon said. But Jesus suddenly appears, we're told. He literally, by implication, went through the locked doors came through the bolts. 
they were afraid of the Jews, but Jesus just appeared and were told. He stood among them, the disciples, and he said, peace be with you. This is something that we constantly just read through and go, yeah, 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 peace man, whatever. That's not what it's saying. This was Aramaic, but it's very similar to Hebrew. The word is shalom, and the word shalom means favor, joy, safety, prosperity, wholeness. Would anyone say hallelujah? hallelujah. Is that good news or what? It's good news. God's favor. Are you relying on lady luck? Forget good luck. You don't need good luck if you've got God's favor. Amen. Have God's favor in your life. Because when we follow him, when we put him first, he looks after us. Forty-three years ago, an elderly man in his 80s who loved God, over Balfi Hand, in the south side of Cork, where I came from, he said to me, you look after God's business, he look after your business. I grew up with people who were all about looking after their own business. I was that way for a while. But when I put God first, everything else fell in place. So look after God's business. He look after yours. But Jesus came in and he, because that's God's favor. And he said peace. So what does that mean for you and me today? Well, for them and for us, straight away, remember these guys had fallen asleep in the agony in the garden. They couldn't even stay awake when their friend was in a bad way. Imagine the person you love the most on this earth. Who do you love the most in your mind? Imagine if you're in pain, you're struggling, you're having a crisis. And they just said, look, I need to sleep. Sort it out yourself. That's what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then when he was crucified, most of them ran away and hid. So when Jesus appeared and said, peace, they were expecting a rebuke. But there was no rebuke. Hallelujah. Amen. No rebuke. And for us, the Bible says, if we love Jesus Christ and follow him, there is no no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No rebuke, no, con no condemnation. That's peace. Amen? Amen? Their sins, your sins, my sins can be forgiven because Jesus had died on the cross. Our sins are forgiven. Peace. Slavery to sin is broken. Yeah, we still sin. I still sin. Yes, we still get dragged into things. But I tell you, the power, and we hear this from people who have addictions of all kinds, there's always a battle, but the power of the slave master, of that addiction, of that depression, of that anxiety, of that suicide, of that addiction to work, of that need to prove yourself, of all of those issues, the slavery is broken. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's peace. Can you say peace? Peace. peace. Jesus took away their fear. He takes away your fear. Amen. He takes away my fear. Amen. That's peace. Amen. And our eternal life is secure. Hallelujah. If you are born again, you can have no doubt that you will go to heaven. Amen. Jesus made it so clear. Now, either he's a liar or he's a total fraud. You can't sit in the fence. You have to either believe him or fully reject him. You want to fully reject him? He gives us free will. 
but I believe what he said is true. Amen. And I have 43 years where I've seen it come true in my life, in my family's lives. So our eternal future is secure because we know if we're born again, where do we go when we die? Do you know what? Let's go and tell people, do you want to go? Where do we go if we die? Heaven. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. The other alternative is hell. No, I don't believe in hell. Okay, but that's what Jesus said. I choose to believe Jesus. So the good news is that our eternal life is secure. That's peace. Can you say peace? Peace. Do you know what? You don't have to do this if it's not your thing, but if you're okay with it, I just want us to declare that word peace, which is really shalom. Declare it to the Lord. Declare it to the enemy. Declare it to our souls that we have peace. Are you okay with standing up? Would you stand up? Just for 30 seconds. So as I say these things, let's just declare it into our lives. And maybe this is all new to you. You know what? Maybe this is the beginning of a new chapter in your life. Anyone say hallelujah? Hallelujah. No rebuke or condemnation. Peace. Got to do it with a confident voice. Your sins, my sins, our sins are forgiven. Peace. Slavery to sin is broken. Peace. Jesus takes away our fear. Peace. Eternal life is secure. Peace. Hallelujah. Give each other a hand. I'm not making it up. We're not making it up. This is what the Bible says. God's love letter to humanity. Amen. Let's take our seats. So he comes in and he says, peace, shalom, favor, joy. Prosperity, well-being, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. And then, and then, and then, the elephant in the room that no one said anything about. And then, and then, he puts out his hands and he looks at his feet and he says, in verse 20, he showed them his hands and his feet. You see, they hadn't seen this before because they ran away. Like I ran away from God. They ran away and they hid from him. They were afraid. I like what Luke's uh, account of this gospel says. Luke in his gospel has Jesus saying, Does a ghost have flesh and bones? See my hands. Touch me and see. Do you think they touched him? Hmm? Would you have touched him? You're there, the risen Jesus is there, and he says, ghosts don't have flesh and bones. Touch me and see. Would you just go, yeah, I can see it at the distance of the ground, Lord. <laughs> I was talking to someone who had a bad um, pain in the back of their neck during the pandemic in the deepest lockdown, and even the physiotherapists were kind of not seeing people, unless it was a desperate emergency. And this person ended up having a... Um, uh, a video call with their physiotherapist and the physiotherapist said try and put your hand there and they're like that uh, 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 and he said try and push it in you know what it didn't work they had to go physically to the physiotherapist who poked his big fat tongue into that place and set them free literally 
It's a bit like that. You can look at a screen all your life, but until you touch him, you never really change. It's personal. It's got to be with him deeply. It then goes on and says, he breathed on them saying, receive the Holy Spirit, verse 22. And if you look into it, this is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which happens a little, a few weeks later. This is when these guys fully believe. The word there, breathed, in both Greek, it's pneuma, in Hebrew, it's ruk, but it means the same thing. God breathing life into that which was dead. We see it in Genesis 3 when God breathed life into Adam. Or for example, in Ezekiel 37, God breathed life into the dry bones and they became alive. God breathes life into death. Once I was blind, now I see. At the age of 19, honestly, I was searching. I declared myself an atheist. I can remember declaring out loud, there is no God. God is dead. I was wrong. And I can remember when my mother got a brain tumor and we were all devastated. She was such a kind, giving woman. I remember getting down on my knees. I didn't know who Jesus was. I knew nothing. We were kind of a lukewarm Catholic family, but I didn't know anything about the Bible or anything. But I said, God, if you look after my man, I know you're there. Someone has music and upstairs. Maybe someone could try and get them to turn off the music. Thanks, guys. I said, God, if you're out there, would you look after my mother? And you know what? Between the jigs and the reels, he looked after her. Hallelujah. Amen. She was fully restored to full health and lived a long life. The point being, though, I had to pray that, and I began searching. And I went from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. I went from being blind spiritually to seeing. And that's what this word breathed means. So what was going on here? The guys were born again. And that's what almost all Bible scholars believe. I believe it as well. This is when the disciples finally crossed the line. Up to that point, they were on a journey. But you can be on a journey forever. There comes a place and a time where you just got to take a step of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We're told Thomas wasn't with the others when Jesus came. Why wasn't he with them? They were all there. Where was Thomas? We're not told where he was, but Thomas was semi-detached. You know, he was kind of bit in, a bit out. I think Thomas was probably angry. Jesus had died. He'd just given three years of his life and the man he was following had been crucified, he's dead, so he's angry. I would say he's probably, maybe like some of us here, a bit angry at life. He was disillusioned, because the way he thought it was going to work out wasn't. Maybe some of us here are like that. And I think actually he had a bit of depression. I think Thomas was at a very low place. And he just couldn't see Jesus. And the thing was... What do we do when we feel like that? We begin to go into isolation. And isolation, I sound like a scratchy record, isolation always leads to assassination. If you look at a flock of sheep, it's always the very young or the weak one on the edge of the flock that the wolf will attack and kill. It's never the ones in the center, it's always the ones way out there, semi-detached. 
It's the same spiritually. The Bible says first in the physical, then in the spiritual. And the enemy will always go to the one who's sending the tap. So Thomas is the weakest link here. He's kind of out. He's been around, but he's not in a great place. But what happens, we're told in verse 25, the other lads, they went and told Thomas, we have seen Jesus 43 years ago. Two friends of mine called to my door and they said the same thing. We have seen Jesus. Would you like to come and explore? And I went, oh, that sounds weird. Come and explore. Two friends just stepped out and invited him. Look what he said. Thomas said, unless I touch his wounded hands and side, I will never believe. I bet you some of us are in that place today. I put money on it, good hard-earned money. Some of us are saying, unless I see him myself, unless I touch him myself, I will never believe. I was like that. And this is where Thomas was at. Who, are, who, who is Thomas? On Friday night, Michael preached the great word, who is Barabbas? Who is Barabbas? I would say, who is Thomas? Can I suggest some of us here might be Thomas? I certainly was for a while. It's like we're kind of there, but we're not there. We're kind of halfway along. We kind of half believe a little bit, but we've never crossed any line. Can I suggest some of us have sons and daughters who are the Thomases in our house? Or perhaps it's your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or a dear friend that you love. They're the Thomas. They don't really believe. In fact, they will never believe. Nobody will ever believe unless they personally encounter Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? That's the essence of the Christian gospel. You're not just born into this. You've got to make the decision yourself. That's why here in this church, while we dedicate and have baby blessings when babies are born, we will not baptize anyone until they are at least 15, because then you have the maturity to some degree to know what's happening, and you make an informed decision. So that's why baptisms are always from that age onwards, not just with us, but with most churches like ours. And if you want to know the statistics, this type of Christianity is the fastest growing in the world, in Ireland. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 750 million Christians, but Christians, that's not just the intellect, but also the emotions. Why? Because God gave you emotions, just like he gave you intellect as well. So Thomas said, I have to touch him myself. Eight days later, Jesus again appeared, even though the doors were locked, but this time Thomas was with them. Thomas responded to the invite. When those two lads, Dan and Tony, called to my door, I responded to the invite I went along. Maybe today you're here because someone said to you, come along and see. Come along with an open mind. Maybe you really don't want to be here. You know, that's okay. But can I submit humbly and suggest God always had a plan that you'd be here today. Amen. It's not that we're special. There's loads of places like this you can go to all around Ireland. But yet you are here. And perhaps God has you here for a purpose. Thomas went along. He really didn't believe. He was very skeptical. But he was semi-detached, so he went along. 
and we're told Jesus appeared again and he looked at Thomas directly. Like perhaps he's looking at you directly right now and you sense by the Holy Spirit he's looking at you. He appeared and looking at Thomas said, touch me here. Don't doubt, just believe. You can go around the mountain forever trying to work out stuff. And all of the great scientists who discovered something wonderful, whether it was gravity or the light bulb or whatever, they all came to a place where they said, I can torture myself forever or I can just take a leap of faith and try this. And that's what Jesus was saying to Thomas. What did Thomas do? He declared, my Lord and my God. what he wants for you. You can reject it, you can think I'm a weirdo, fine, I, I'm really not pushed. But honestly, humbly, I don't want anything from anyone. We're not looking for your money, or we're not looking to control your lives, or anything like that. You wouldn't survive in a place like Cork if you were into that. What do we do? What do we want? We want you to connect with Jesus. Thomas had a personal experience, and he declared it. Look briefly, time is against me. If we look at the steps that Thomas took, they happen to be the same steps for me. You might have a slightly different experience, but it's worth looking at. Thomas, number one, responded to the friends. Number two, he went to the church, the meeting. There he encountered Jesus. And when he encountered Jesus, he was born again. The Holy Spirit came and lived in him. If you're thinking, born again, what's that? You know, any who believes in the Bible, the literal term is born from above. We are born physically, obviously, but you've got to be born again spiritually. That's the teaching of the Bible. You have to have that personal experience. Just because mum and dad or your husband or wife or your family always went to a church like, church like this doesn't do any good. You have to have that personal experience yourself. If you agree, would you say amen in a little bit? Amen. Can I hear you again? Amen. This is the truth of God's word. Let's come towards a conclusion. Last words Jesus said. You believe because you have seen me. Ah, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I've never seen Jesus. I never had a name to appear to me. Some people have. I personally have never had anything like that. But I know he's alive. Amen. I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. And I see from my kitchen window two huge wind turbines over in the distance on a mountain. And when the wind is blowing, they turn around and we all get electricity. Hallelujah. <laughs> I see the power of it, but I can't see the wind, but I see the effect of it. I've never seen God physically, but oh my, I've 43 years of testimony where I've seen the power of God. Not just in my life, in the life of over a thousand people here. And we're just a drop in the ocean to all of those around Ireland and around the world who are coming to a personal encounter with God. And guess what? The gospel hasn't changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that looked intently at Thomas 
in the Old Testament in the Psalm, we read, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's got to be personal. Michael was speaking recently about chocolate. Imagine you never ate chocolate. I know a lot of you probably don't like chocolate, but you know, I've been known to have a square. <laughs> Imagine if you never tasted chocolate and someone was describing it to you, that velvety, smooth feeling in your mouth, and it kind of goes liquid, and it, oh, it just goes to those taste buds in the back of your mouth. Imagine that I could be here forever explaining you, going, yeah, 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 okay, great, good for you, good for you. Well, that's good for you, not for me, but good for you. Do you know what? you got to taste it yourself. And when you taste it yourself, then you can make your decision and go, you know what? This is for real. It's the same with Jesus. So